had an opportunity yesterday evening as the choir came to practice to stand with them and speak to them at the close of the practice and pray with them. And as I spoke to them, I asked them to think back on their mission trip and to think back on how God worked and how they were challenged and just what they saw God do. And it was just so wonderful for me as I looked at the faces, especially of the students up there, but adults too, I could see the emotion welling up in their faces as they reflected on how God had worked. And we thank you, the body of Christ here at Colonial, for allowing them to be a part of these trips, these, these projects. Um, they are so powerful in impacting their lives and the lives that people that they interfact, interact, interacted with and that they ministered to. As I thought back on this past year's projects and on projects over the last 15 years that we've been involved in, and I pondered, you know, why do we invest all this time, all the money? Why do, why do people give up vacation, which is so precious these days? And they put such great energy into meetings and preparation for the trips. There's an immeasurable commitment of the team members and of the leadership and of colonial staff. Why do we do all of this? And I think the reason can be summarized in a simple statement. And that is God has a message for the lost and we are his messengers. Isn't that true? That God has a message for the lost and we, the body of Christ here at Colonial, we are his messengers. Paul's letter to the Romans gives us a little insight into God's view of his messengers. Romans chapter 10, the scripture says, For whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all abounding in riches for all who call upon him. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. You know, the world needs messengers, doesn't it? Today we celebrate the 2009 short-term missions projects where Colonial raised up and sent messengers into our community, into the nation, and literally into the world. I've come to the conclusion that most of God's creatures are messengers. It's easy to agree that man is a communicator of messengers, messages. However, I would also argue that non-human creatures are also great communicators. Take as example our pets. We have two dogs. The older of the two is a lasso opso named Madison. Madison was well known to the Colonial High School students, and we've got some CYCers here this morning who know Madison very well over on this side. And they know her to be a dog that you don't mess with very much. She doesn't have a very friendly disposition. She's to be strictly avoided. You don't reach down to pet her. You don't try to pick her up. You don't even walk too close to her. In fact, back in the 90s, the students that came over uh, not so affectionately nicknamed her Satan. (laughs) Communication of messages came in many forms, and for Madison, her way of communicating was being an ankle biter. Effective communication requires the expression and the reception of messages. Two weeks ago, Patty was leaving our home around dusk, and she walked out to the car, and when she got there, realizing that she had forgotten some, she started to walk back to the house. As she approached our walkway, she saw a copperhead poised to strike right where she had passed the moments before. Patty started to communicate. 
It took the form of high-pitched screaming of mostly unintelligible words. I knew something was going on outside, so I ran to the door, and I saw the snake, and, uh, and even in the dim light, there was no doubt that it was a copperhead. So Patty had communicated a message to me, and I had received it. The snake was likewise communicating a message through a classic strike posture, and I received that message as well. Finally, I relayed the last message in this this exchange, making making it clear to the snake that he was not welcome on our walkway. In this short five-minute dialogue, many messages were exchanged. Some of the messages were emotional, some were frightening, some were threatening, and some were deadly, at least to the snake. This was just five minutes, a mere fraction of a day, yet many messages were sent and received. Imagine the number of messages that are sent and received in each one of our lives over the course of a day, in the course of a week, a month, and a year. I believe it true that the number of messages impinging on our minds are immeasurable in our society. They come from so many sources in this information age that it's hard to keep up. And knowing this, isn't it appropriate to ask, where does God's message for the lost fit into the barrage? Or maybe a better question, does God's message for the lost find its way into the daily routine of most believers? Or does God's message for the lost get lost in the onslaught? If you've been coming on Sunday evenings recently, you heard Dr. Burgraff speak of God's transcendent message a message good for all times, all locations, all nations, a message for everyone, regardless of age, and equally applicable across all races. God's transcendent message for the lost is by definition above and independent of the material universe. And being transcendent, it's a message that is unchanging. It was perfect for the first century lost, it's perfect today for the 21st century lost, and was perfect for all the centuries in between. This message has or will impact the approximately 6 billion people that have died and gone into eternity since the Garden of Eden. And it will impact all of the 6.4 billion people alive today. It is an unchanging message from an unchanging God. It's a message of eternal importance for every person ever born. We're told in God's word that it is Christ who builds his church. We know further that Christ builds his church through the proclamation of his word. In Luke chapter 8, we have the parable of the sower. And the sower sows seed, and what is the seed? It's the word of God. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus also spoke of his mother and brothers being those who hear the word of God and do it. And finally, God's word is rich in content, rich in truth, that the man of God may be adequate or complete fully equipped for every good work. So there are many verses in God's word that summarize his message to the lost, and you know these verses very well. Jesus declared to the Pharisees, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And Jesus, speaking to Martha, said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall never live, even if he does. Shall live, even if he does. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And finally, Jesus speaking to Thomas in John fourteen six, so familiar to us all. I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father but by me. So God's transcendent, unchanging message to the lost is simply this. 
that salvation, eternal life, and access to the Father is through Christ and through him alone. We can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God has a message for the lost, and we are his messengers. Most people here know very well the message of God for the lost. The question for us today is, do we embrace his role as messengers? Mankind makes great messengers, obviously. In fact, our ability to communicate messages is increasing exponentially due to the proliferation of computers. I remember in elementary school, and some of you will be able to identify this, some of the younger ones here will be appalled by the technology, but there were these film strip projectors that you would put film in and you could turn it one notch at a time, one frame at a time, and you'd put on a record and it would say some words and it would go beep and you'd turn one slide and you'd hear some more words. And there was a film strip that we saw back in the mid-60s on technology and computers and robots. And they were talking about computers that could do thousands of computations a second and robots that could build cars and build all these different things that we would want in society. And speculating that by the 1980s, that men and women would only have to work about 20 hours a week because robots and computers are going to do all the work for us. I think they missed, missed that prophecy. Most of us struggle to keep up with what seems to be unending email. And just when we feel completely buried under one electronic medium, here comes text messaging. It's estimated that over 200 million Americans have text messaging packages on their cell phones. And text messaging has doubled in the past 12 months to where it's estimated that 2.5 billion messages are sent each day in the United States. It was also estimated that on New Year's Eve, this past New Year's Eve, 43 billion text messages were sent worldwide. We are apparently very adept as messengers, but we'd likely agree that most of the messages that we sent are not that important when measured against the things of God, those things of eternal significance. An example of this, I think, would be something that happened uh, just a few months ago on June 25th, 2009, where the record was set for the number of text messages sent in a day and the number of text messages sent in an hour. And the thing that prompted all these text messages was that was the day that Michael Jackson and Farrah Fawcett died. So despite our incredible capacity to communicate, we struggle to find words of hope and encouragement in these days of global uncertainty. Our economy is struggling, and I know there are many examples of that. One that comes to mind for me is that in 2008, January 2008, I went over and did a devotion for our Job Seekers Ministry, which meets here on Monday mornings. We were meeting over in room 205 in the Family Center and had about 35 people in attendance. This past January, job seekers had moved to the chapel and there were 300 people in attendance. Many of our college students these days are going for advanced degrees because they're finishing school and there are no jobs to be had. And what is our message of hope to these people that are looking for a job? Additionally, we live with the threat of terrorism. Our value system is constantly under attack. Our political system exists in clouds of corruption. Our judicial system is overloaded and encumbered. The entertainment industry assaults our eyes with violence and lewdness. With the advent of satellite TV, American programming is being broadcast now worldwide. 
In fact, I remember in the mid-1990s, we went to St. Lucia, and we started to see satellite dishes popping up on the homes there. And it seemed like in just five short years, the impact of American programming, where it was cool to be like America, had impacted that small island nation. It's a scary thought that the worldview of America is heavily driven by the programming that we ship overseas. And I ask the question, does any of this programming contain a message of hope? The world needs a message, message of hope, and our nation needs a message of hope. Our community, Cary, North Carolina, needs a message of hope. And it springs to mind two questions. Who will bring the message? And then secondly, will the message be true? Who will deliver the message of hope to our community, or to our nation? Well, let's look at where it will not come from. It will not come from the majority of our politicians. It will not come from the majority of our educators, especially those involved in secondary education. It will not come from the entertainment industry, and it will not come from the majority of our sports heroes. And the sad reality is that we hold so many of these people as role models, hold them up in high regard, or at least our nation does. The message of hope is unlikely to come from Google, or to be found in Wikipedia or in someone's inspirational blog. It's unlikely to arrive as an email. In fact, for most of us, we're much more likely to get content which is unseemly than to get any kind of a message of hope or anything of spiritual value. It's unlikely that the message will come on Facebook or on Twitter. It's unlikely that it will come in one of the 2.5 billion text messages that will be sent in our country today. It's not that these sources don't present messages of hope. The problem is the vast majority of these messages just aren't true. The enemy is a master at using all available resources and means to communicate false hope. In fact, I believe it to be his strategy now for him to inundate our lives with as many false gospels as he can muster. And he is using information technology to inundate us with lies that steer us away from God's truth. How many times have we heard, if you can think it, you can do it? There is no absolute truth. Truth is whatever is inside of you. Jesus was just a good teacher or prophet. And don't we all worship the same God? So, who will bring a true message? Well, here's the last sad reality. It will not come from the majority of Christian churches in our country today. The enemy has succeeded in compromising the Christian faith in local churches all across our nation. And in many, the gospel is almost unrecognizable. Looking at the local church... Many unbelievers are put off by Christian hypocrisy, so much so that the believer's integrity as a source, source of truth is greatly compromised. They look at us and they conclude, you're no different than we are. Church growth theory insists that we must be attractive to seekers to get them in our doors. And once inside, we must not offend them with the harsh, unilaterally, unilateral, uncompromising condemning, infallible, inerrant ideologies. Instead, we're told we must be gentle or they may not like us. So seeker-sensitive and emergent churches compromise God's truth to the point that it's unoffensive, it's palatable, 
and mostly unrecognizable. But friends, the gospel is offensive, isn't it? Paul, speaking to the Corinthians, said, but we preach Christ crucified. Crucifixion is offensive. We preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Gentiles' foolishness. Jesus was plotted against, lied about, beaten and crucified for his message. The gospel, the true gospel, is not an easy message to put forth. Our evangelism explosion teams go out on Monday night and they knock on doors of people that have visited Colonial, but when they finish that, they knock on doors of people just making cold calls. And they are trying to give a message of hope, a true message of hope. But if the Spirit of God is not working in the hearts and minds of those people they encounter, they're going to likely find the message offensive and it's going to be likely rejected. So who will bring the message and will the message be true? Who is equipped to bring God's true message of hope? My answer for you this morning is that you are. The people in this room. Colonial is is a wonderful Bible teaching church. And we have pastors and ABF teachers and elders, so many involved in teaching, and they're faithful to God's word. They pray. They are they. Um, or spirit-led in their study. And listen to this. Of all the churches in Cary, I believe this church is best equipped to bring a true message of hope to our community. Isn't that why we're here? Isn't that why we come to Colonial Baptist Church? So if it's not you and me, if we're not salt and light, if we don't bring God's word to bear on our friends and our co-workers and our family and our community... They're going to continue to be led astray with little hope for crossing crossing paths with a responsible messenger. God has a message, and we are his messengers. And more specifically, the body of Christ at Colonial Baptist Church needs to be effective, diligent, enthusiastic, cross-bearing messengers of God's good news, the gospel of Christ to the lost. God has entrusted us with his word, And he's commanded us to make disciples. How will we respond? Let me encourage you. Get involved in something like Evangelism Explosion. Get involved in one of these short-term mission trips. Get involved in ministry. Help create a passion for the gospel. Help create a passion for ministry. And impact our community and our world for Christ. One final challenge along these lines, Evangelism Explosion has some, some new programs that they've put out, and one of them is called XEE, and there are many things about that we like. There's also some things that, uh, that we're going to shape a little bit as we move forward, but there's a question that's posed to the student in XEE, which I think is wonderful. So often we think about an admission trip, where are we going to go, will we have a street meeting, how will we present the gospel, when will we do it, where will we do it? The question that XEE poses to the student is not how or where or when, it's who. Who will you share the gospel with this week? That's an easy question, isn't it? God has laid someone on all of our hearts, I believe, with which we need to share the gospel. Think of that name. Ponder that. Who will you share the gospel with this week? And having identified that person, begin to pray that God will lead, God will give you the opportunity, 
that God will give you the words and the courage to be bold, to bring them a message of hope, a true message of hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your rich love. We thank you that you've given us your word, your message of love to mankind, your message of hope, your truth. We thank you for your spirit who guides in understanding and guides our pursuit of you. Father, I thank you for these teams that have gone out this year. I pray that the the blessings and the encouragement that they received will continue to be exciting to them and that they'll continue to work hard for you and, and desire to bring glory to you. May we be faithful stewards of that with which you've entrusted to us. And may we be courageous messengers to the lost in our world. Give us boldness, Father, to proclaim the life-saving gospel of Christ. In his name, amen.